podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Welcome to episode 160 of the Unholy Trinity podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, the UK's only dedicated sports podcast network. And also, Fanatics, we sat here last week looking back on what was a horrific week for the club and for us as fans, thinking it can't get any worse than that. But unfortunately, the last 24 hours have proven that it can get worse and can get much worse. Um, and we're going to sign cover as much of that as we can on today's show. Um, what should have been slightly more positive in the fact that we brought a new manager in over the last few days, as whether you want him there or not, it was good to get that, that stability uh, and get a name through the door, which is really important. Um, and it then obviously things things changed or things ended in terms of the transfer window on, on a very, very sour note, which we're, we're going to cover in more detail Shortly, but Lee, I've got to ask you, how are you feeling? You know, the, the day after the night before, when Everton failed to bring any new faces into Finch Farm, there was a small protest late on in the night after being told not to go down um, by the club. How are you feeling today? Um, it's a mixture of a lot of anger and. Just deflation, mate. Deflation as well, like apathy. Any any, any of those three all mixed into one. Um, it's it's absolutely scandalous that we've had another January similar to what we had last season, and and, and last season was an absolute farce in itself. You know, we don't need to paint the picture, but we may as well say it. We're, we're joint bottom of the league on goal difference. And, you know, we've lost, let, let, let's be right now, with the team we currently have, we've lost against all those teams around us recently as well, haven't we? At home as well, in a lot of them. And they've gone on to strengthen their sides, particularly going forward to try and score more goals because there are similar problems to us in terms of scoring goals. And then we've got a net spend in January of plus 45 million. So from the conversations we were having, you know, if you include the World Cup with, with six weeks to try and plan, to try and make noises, to try and, you know, basically get into players, maybe, you know, little conversations had with agents here and there to try and line them up. Lampard said himself, didn't he, when we were in Australia, that Kevin's got his list and we're going to be you know, going after that to try and get it in. We know we need the players in early. We, you know, reiterated that on the podcast. I think pretty much every Everton fan said the same to have any chance, we're going to need to sign at least a centre-forward, a winger, maybe two, uh, sorry, maybe three, uh, either two wingers and a forward or two forwards and a winger. Uh, in early January, ideally in the first week, if we can get them in, right? We all said that. To then go into the last day, still have no signings, a different manager in the dugout, and then still make zero signings by the end of the day is nothing short of just like flabbergasting me. It really is. I, I just can't get my head around it. You know, whether Thelwell has been instructed to 
you know, pause on everything while we wait to appoint the new manager. I don't know. He shouldn't do, in my opinion, because his job is to basically bring in signings regardless of what manager's coming in. I know there's an element or there's an argument to say that there's a style of play that needs to be adhered to. But it's clear as day, whatever style of play we need to play, we still need goals in the side. We still need wingers. We still need forwards. So he should have been looking to do that even while we were trying to appoint a manager. Maybe he was, I don't know. Maybe he was. But I just knew going into the last day, and I know a lot of clubs play cat and mouse and there's like a lot of show and tell going on with agents and everything else. So, so it's sometimes inevitable has to go to the last day, which is a joke in itself, by the way, because unless you've got absolute crazy money to put down and blow everyone else out of the water, you are literally trying to negotiate. It's always going to go to the last day because then time comes into it, doesn't it? But, mate, I am absolutely seething now that we, we're going into the most critical period in Everton's history for a long, long time. And we're no better off. In fact, in fact, we're, we're worse off because we sold one of our attacking players. The big thing, thing for me is, is this as well. The, the ball clearly backed Frank Lampard for, at the start of the window. You know, there was, that was quite clear because he wasn't removed from his, his job. So if that's the board stance, that, that's fine. But if you've got to back a manager, give him a chance then to bring some players in. Now, Frank Lampard at the start of the window, really, what should have gone on? Anthony Gordon wanted out for, for months. So Anthony Gordon was quite clear he wanted to go in the summer. It didn't happen. His performance, his performance level dipped. Um, and then looking back and in hindsight, the chances are that was probably because he wanted to move and his head wasn't fully in it. We, we've obviously tried to give him the benefit that that was on the podcast, obviously because of his age and things like that. And players obviously form can dip for a variety of reasons. But I think it's quite clear that he wants it out. So at, at the start of the window, get him gone. Get him get him sold. Because there was club sniffing around. You have to take less than 40, 45 million on what we got, then take it. And give the manager a chance in the first couple of weeks of the window to get a couple of players through the door. That's what, that's what should have happened if you're going to back the manager. That hasn't happened. It didn't happen. We had a situation around uh, Dan Juma. Obviously, we know what happened there. We discussed it last week. The manager then went and we're left then looking and searching for a new manager. So, like you said, then I think things were, were almost put on hold, which shouldn't happen. But obviously, trying to then recruit, recruit players to a club that are managerless, the two names that have been heavily linked there are chalk and cheese in terms of obviously the type of managers that, that they actually are. Um, Players who, who are looking to move, look at the club and see a club with no direction. Certainly with no plan. Sitting in the bottom three, joint bottom of the Premier League table. Other sides around them, like you said, are strengthening. And I'm thinking, well, well what, what can this club offer me? What, what, are, what are, the, are the benefits of going to this club? Then they'll look, obviously, at the fact that there's a lot of unrest at this moment in time. I'm not saying, by the way, that's a defining factor. And if people aren't up for the fight, then obviously don't come to the club. But the fact that the club have shown themselves to, to have no direction, players will look back at history in terms of what we've done over the last few years as well and think, hang on, something's not right. You know, players aren't. All players aren't stupid. You know, let, let's get that right. And, and according to, to, to what we saw last night and things I've seen this morning, there was something like 17 or 18 players were approached by Everton and turned us down which is a lot of players in terms of us actually saying, we want to sign you. 
and they said, nah, you're okay. I'll go somewhere else or I'll stay where I am. So Everton was once an attractive club, a club that players, I'm sure, would want to sign for and see it as a step up. Currently, we've got players who don't want to come to Everton, but they're quite happy to go and sign for Southampton and Bournemouth and, and, and teams like that. And that is that, for me, is the really, really alarming factor of where we find ourselves. And to come out of this window with no new bodies is, an, for me, it's gross negligence on behalf of the board. It's absolutely gross negligence. You cannot go in to, like you say, the, the one of the most important, one of the most biggest periods in this club's recent history. You cannot go into those 18 games with this same side. Whether or not Sean Dice can get an extra 10%, 15%, whatever it might be, will that be enough to keep, to keep us in the Premier League? Probably not. And that's, that's the frightening thing. You know, this, this, this side now have got to go into those games and look to win approximately probably 40% of them. And we've looked nowhere near doing that. Obviously, this season, that's for sure. And even, obviously, over the last 18 months or so. So can we go and do it now without that injection of fresh blood? Which also, by the way, boosts the players. The players see a couple of new faces in and think, oh, you know, that'll really get them motivated with the new manager. It'll help the new manager along as well. And I can't help but feel that not only have we been lied to by the owner who says last week, listen, we need a striker, we'll get one in. Not only has he lied to us, he's lied to the new manager. We've all been let down. The players have been let down as well, in my opinion. And like you say, we're in a worse position now, which is unimaginable, than we were on the 1st of January. And the only thing which is positive is the bank account. It's got £45 million and all that, whatever it might be. That's the only thing that's positive. And that, that doesn't impact ourselves as fans, by the way. I couldn't care less. I could not care less. I care about us staying in the Premier League, us improving on the pitch, us giving a manager a chance at, at saving this club. And for me, certain people have checked out. And that, that is not on. And that is why players don't want to sign for this football club. And that is why we are where we are. That's, a, that's really some really good points there, mate. Some really good points. And a lot of it is true as well. Um, the sad indictment is how we've become such an unattractive proposition for a lot of footballers. You know, we've said it before on this podcast. Um, I've probably been more vocal than most. Um, we've gone from, you know, Carlo Ancelotti managing our football club with a front three or, you know, front players of, of Calvert-Lewin in, in the England team, Brazil's number nine in Richarlison, James Rodriguez playing around those, to suddenly having now a Calvert-Lewin injury away of having um, Ellis Sims and Mope up front. You know what I mean? I mean, that is, in, 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 in the blink of an eye, by the way, in the blink of an eye, and I've said this numerous times, you know, Rafa Benitez has got a lot to answer for in terms of this demise as well, in terms of accelerating our downfall. You know, by getting, you know, you've seen the comments coming out saying Hammers didn't even say, he said he didn't even give me a chance. He told me to find another club straight away. Richarlison's come out, said the same thing. You know, he sold one of our best fullbacks. Everybody, you know, I think at the time, I think you and I and a few others were one of only a few voices saying that Lucas Dean is a loss. A lot of people were like, no, no, get rid of him. He's garbage garbage compared to the first two seasons well be careful what you wish for because you know we were allowed a manager was allowed to bring in Mikalenko and then be sacked a few days later 
You know what I mean? So, you know, I, I genuinely think Everton then kind of thought in a perverse way, let's not make the same mistakes we did last January. Let's not give a manager um, funds to go and sign a few players and then sack him a few days later. Let's hold off from doing that because we might get a new manager and he might want to bring in his own players. What? So we've kind of done the opposite then. Then so we've then gone, we've gone down the ultra cautious route of not giving a manager who's about to be sacked money to sign players when again it should be Thelwell's decision to then bring in a manager and effectively give him two days to try and bring it, bring in some new players. It's 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 absolutely it just some for me it sums up the state of where the board is right now. We've all been super critical of the board as a fan base. Finally, the national media are all over it now. You know, the the papers are on it, or you know, the match of the day, Sky, BT, everyone's on it now. You know, talk sports, everything about how the board effectively has been absolutely horrendously run. And this this is this is what we get. This is what we've got right now. It's an absolute. If you don't have proper people running your football club, and we've said this a million times, you end up in a situation like last night where you're approaching Olivier Giroud, who's already turned us down when we were a better proposition anyway, who's just won Serie A with Milan in May last year, to go, do you want to come for a dogfight in the Premier League? What are you going to say if you're Olivier Giroud? What are you going to say? Why would you leave AC Milan to go go for a dogfight under Sean Dyche? Now, with the greatest respect, Dyche has come in now. We know what he is. You know, he's, he's, he's an Allardyce-type character. He's almost a Benitez-type in terms of how he wants to play. He's a more likeable fella, for a start. That's a plus in the fact that he comes off very... He comes across very genuine. What you see is what you get. You know, there's, there's a lot of positives in terms of him as a personality. But ultimately, what was an impossible job for him anyway without any, any players coming in is now we've signed their own death warrant for me now. We've signed their own death warrant. We've basically accepted that we're going down. We we, we 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 kind of were there anyway, but now we've just confirmed that, rubber stamped it, whatever you want to say. We've 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 effectively accepted our da- our fate here. Calvert Lewin, I will be extremely surprised if he stays fit for more than a handful of games. He gets injured, and then how are we going to play the way Dice wants to play? How are we going to play the way Dice wants to play? We all know Dice wants to play four four two, big forward, someone playing off him. You can't do that with Neil Mope, can you? Oh, there's, you know, there's major concerns in terms of obviously not bringing players in, and, and that's obviously one of the key ones. The fact that players who Sean Dyche will need more than others, one of them being Dominic Calvert Lewin, unfortunately, his fitness is not not reliable. We we can't rely on him to be fit week in week out. You know, we we look at the sessions that Sean Dyche runs and will probably run and. All these stories about, you know, you, you run sessions where you literally it's three hours worth of running and things like that. And you think, you know, some of these players who struggle with muscular injuries, Dominic being one, Yeri Mina being another one, they're not going to last. They're not going to not break down at, so, at some point. Um, obviously, you know, I know I know Dom's on a, a slightly different sailing schedule than other players. But, you know, you just can't see these players carrying us through. In, in terms of staying fit for the remainder of the season. And that that's a of a massive, massive concern. Because then who comes in? If he does go 4-4-2, you know, Ellis Sims, he's nowhere near the, the player of, of Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He, he's not particularly great in the air. 
Um, so if you if you're looking to play how Dice probably wants to play, there's no one else that we can actually we can actually bring in to to do that particular job. And that that's that's a huge concern. I mean, you, you look at the at the scattergun approach that we that we had towards yesterday, towards the end of the transfer when you mentioned Giroud there, he's one player that you know what a farcical approach that is, as you say. Win, wins the league last season. And we're saying come to Everton to, to save us. Bear, bear in mind, he turned us down years and years ago uh, mm-hmm. for, for a certain reason as well. So, you know, what that was strange throwing a, a last minute load. Well, the, the irony, that. just quickly on that Giroud point, Mike, the irony is, right, our real, only real major pull as a club, considering where we are, was Lampard, isn't it? By all accounts, Dan Juma had spoken to him and was kind of encouraged to come by Lampard. You know, we went straight in. As soon as we sold Gordon, we went straight in and uh, sounded out the possibility of a Conor Gallagher. Right? You've got far more chance of Conor Gallagher coming to us with Frank Lampard as a manager, haven't you? Two reasons. Ex-Chelsea, so there's the link there. And also Conor Gallagher plays in the exact same position as Lampard did in terms of a goal-scoring midfielder. And if you're Conor Gallagher going, yeah, I appreciate they're in a dogfight there. But I'm going to work under the one of the best midfielders that's played in this league in the last 20, 30 years. No chance he's going to come. But why would I want to go and play under, under Sean Dice where I'm going to have to basically play, you know, effectively run four miles every game? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then Giroud again. You know, again, you've got more chance of getting a Giroud because of the Lampard link, because there'll be a connection between those two as well. I'm not saying he would have come. He still would have probably turned us down. But you know what I mean? So the last pull you've got, in a way, you know, players don't just sign for a club. They sign for, you know, the manager as well. You know what I mean? That's a, always a big pull. You know, one of the reasons when we had Ancelotti that we managed to pull in the likes of Hammers and others was purely because of who he is. One of the best managers in the, in the last 30, 40 years. You know, Sean Dice isn't going to give you that, is he? No. With the greatest respect. With the greatest respect. He, he, was, he was a big pull. As you say, his name was a pull. Onana signed for Frank Lampard. You, you mentioned there, obviously, those other players, I'm sure... If he wanted to to get a couple of of deals done with, with Chelsea, that could be done because of who he is. And this is not a saying, going on record, saying he's the world's greatest manager. But th- that is a that is a pull, of course. And with all with the greatest respect to Sean Dyche, he hasn't got that same kind of pull, and he's known for, for playing a certain brand of football. Which, to be fair to him, I think it you know he's a bit he's he's a bit deeper than that. And and I think we're doing a disservice by just saying he's just his four four two meetings and. And that's that. He's an elite level football manager, so there's more to him than just playing four four two. But in terms of on the surface, and, w- and when players look at signing for a club and pl- signing for a manager, who would they rather sign for? Well, Frank Lampard would be would be ahead in that particular that particular list because of the fact of what he achieved as a player, the name that he is, who he's played for, etc. etc. So that is that is the honest truth when it comes to that. But you know, you, you hear all these names from from the last twenty four hours or so. We mentioned obviously Giroud there. There was a, a kid at Reading out of absolutely nowhere. Just uh, we were linked with him. Then obviously well, Giroud, wasn't it? Kid yeah, yeah. Well, again, that, that link came up, didn't it? The fact that he, you know, after him speaking out um, last week in regards to you know previous relationships with Everton and with Mashiri and and obviously what he'd done in the past and. Oh, we've got no players to offer them this time round and all that. And then, then that appears he's got a big relationship with, with Reading and their owner and obviously this particular player. You look at obviously Suleimane, 
wouldn't entertain coming to Everton over going to Southampton, which is which is an absolute disgrace from our perspective. The fact that we can't we can't get those kind of deals across the line and attack, attack those kind of plays. You then see there's a link. There was a link to to think Calvin Phillips in the Express, strange one out out of nowhere again. Um, yeah, Ben, ben Johnson at West Ham. Um, the, the kid, you know, out of again, out of nowhere, and you just think. What, what well, mate, the of... key one for me, the key one for me in the whole deal, sorry to interject there, was Ismail Assar, right? Mm. So Ismail Assar, they went, the, but it was, it was through the athletic dish and they gave a bit of, uh, quite a bit of detail in terms of the deal, didn't they? They said that we approached Watford with, uh, you know, a pretty sizable loan fee or sizable-ish loan fee with an obligation to buy for 30 million if we stay up, right? So... For me there, I'm then thinking, going, that's an interesting deal, that. Why are we approaching when we're desperate now, by the way? So when you get into desperation stakes, you know, you can add another 10, 20% to what a player is going to be worth, can't you? Because the, the club you're trying to buy off knows you're desperate. So they're going to say, well, look, pay this or go home. So with regards to his mail of SAR, the interesting thing for me is there, why have they approached Watford there for a loan deal? Well, by all accounts, you know, we went all out for Conor Gallagher to, you know, probably spread it maybe over, you know, five years, six years, or whatever it is. Or in case of Chelsea, let's spread it over 15 years because they've been able to do whatever they want. But the point I'm saying is there, whether the Gallagher deal was, was agreed or not, maybe we did, from all accounts, but, you know, again, in the Athletic, we made an inquiry without a formal bid. Maybe they sounded the player out. He wasn't keen, whatever. The point I'm saying is, if they really wanted Ismail Assar and we needed some reinforcements up front. Why didn't we just take the gamble there and go, you know what? Let's, let's, let's agree the 30 million right now. Let's agree it right now. We know Ismail Assar, he's a good age. He's an athlete. He's played in the Premier League. Yes, he's got rough edges to his game. But realistically, even if you went out and bought him and went down, you're probably going to break even, give or take, aren't you? Give or take, really, on the player because of you know, his age, his talent and everything else. So that's what really concerned me. So why have we gone there for a loan? If we really wanted somebody that much, that late in the day, why don't we just go out and go, right, you know what, we'll roll the dice here. We need, we need, we need someone in because we desperately need goals. We scored 15 goals in 20 games. Why don't they just go, you know what, if there's even a sniff of a chance, there you go, Watford, we'll give you all the money up front, or not all of it up front, but you know what I mean, we'll give you 30 million or 35 million or whatever. Forget the loan thing, we'll give you that right now. But no, it was a loan deal. So that that concerned me in that respect. That really did. Is that is that then Mashiri kind of, you know, people have come around saying, is he asset stripping? You know, is, is that what he's looking to do? You could even make a possible argument for that now. You know what I mean? We don't, we'll never know. We'll never know that. I know he said we needed a striker. But what I can't get my head around, why would Mashiri risk us, you know, a much higher chance of us going down by not bringing players in? Because that instantly devalues his shares in the club by about 30%, give or take. Yeah, you know I mean? Because suddenly we're a championship club. If he then wants to sell to a prospective buyer or an investor looking to invest and buy some of his shares, well, he's going to make nowhere near the same money if we've been relegated. So, of course, why would you not then use some of the money we've got from selling a player to at least, you know, sign, like I said, his mail Sar, go for him, go all out, forget the loan, go all out and get him. I just don't get that. I really don't. Well, this is it. You know, it's a gamble to obviously bring players in to stay off relegation, but it's an even bigger gamble not to bring anybody in to yeah. stay off relegation. So you, so 
you look at you know what what what's more uh, likely to happen. Well, if you bring players in to improve the squad, you've got a better better chance of staying in the league. As a businessman, you've got a better chance of making some kind of return on your on your investments. And that that's just what I cannot get my head around in in any way, shape, or form. I just don't understand it. This is this is where we are as a football club. And to even look back, you know, going back, we always say about Carlo Ancelotti and Hammers and and, and you know players like that and, and where the club was at that particular time to go from that to where we are now is unforgivable to, to get to this particular point where we are joint bottom of the Premier League and we haven't invested in this playing squad in the January transfer window is is unforgivable absolutely unforgivable and it, and if we stay up and it's a big if based you know everything is going against us Sean Dyche deserves every single accolade that you can throw at him. Because for me, he's been sold something. This is a personal opinion, but also based on little things that, that I've, I've heard and read and, and what have you, I'm being told. He's been sold something that basically is being built on a lie. And he could argue even his rights to walk away right now. And I think if, if Bielsa came in, he would have been back on the plane to Argentina already. I've got to be honest. So, you know, Sean Dyche, has, has got one hell of a job on his hands now, one hell of a job. What was already difficult has been made a lot more difficult. And, you know, it's going to take all his experience of being in this situation. It's going to take all of his prowess as a, as a Premier League manager to get something out of this particular team. And this is not, by the way, there's ability in there. There is ability in there. And for me, we're not as bad a side I don't think, as others do. I think we do have ability in there. The issue that I've got is that, like we've mentioned, if key players get injured, which is likely, then there's no one there to come in and replace them in key areas because we haven't invested in the top end of the pitch. You know, in terms of defensively and in midfield, we're probably okay. You know, we and, and Sean Dice can show us up. But you don't win football matches unless you score goals. And, you know, we, we, we proved under Frank Lampard, especially in some recent games, Wolves, Southampton, those kind of games, we had chances to win those games. But the players on the pitch weren't good enough to take those chances. And yeah, but the, how- thing is, the, the, the thing is, on that point there, though, Mike, we're not... That is a valid point, but I can't remember the last time I went to Goodison Park, and I'm sure you can say the same, where we've, create, where we've created seven, eight, nine, ten chances. You know what I mean? We're, we're not, we're just not, we're just, we, 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 not only do we lack goals, we lack creativity. You know, it's mm. not as if we're missing four, five, six, seven, eight chances a game. We're, we're not creating that much at all to the point where we're then, we have to take the one, the one good or two, two good chances we get in a game to win a game. You know, there's no Premier League, there's no striker on this planet um, that would be able to have a 100% conversion. You know what I mean? Even the top strikers miss chances. So that's the problem. We're just not creating enough. I am so disillusioned right now with where we are as a football club. Seriously, I'd rather of us have gone for Bielsa, even though it's even though the squad is nowhere near it. And he made that in- assessment himself. You know, he's a very you know Bielsa's as we've said before. You know, re- regarded as one of the best managers around, certainly amongst the top elite managers around there. He's made an assessment of our squad, and effectively said, "No, that squad's nowhere near good enough to stay up." So let me work with the youngsters 
you know, okay, it was an absolute, you know, classic Bielsa type situation there, by the way, and our proposition that he's put forward. But right now, seriously, now the window is closed. I would rather have gone for a Bielsa and just gone, you know what, if we're going to go down to Goodison and watch us play, we're going to score four or five goals. We might concede four or five, but we're going to, we're going to, we're going to actually try and play fast attacking football. You know what I mean? And obviously, look, we'd probably go, well, we, we would 100% go down if Bielsa took over with that squad he's got in his hands. But then at least then next season, he would be able to you know, rip out a big chunk of that team and bring in players, bring youngsters through, which he notoriously does, and play in a very distinctive way. And in a way, actually, you know what? Most fans, like Leeds fans before us, would love to see, love to see that type of football. I, I, I'm so disillusioned with football right now. We haven't won a trophy since 1995. We don't even look like winning a trophy. We've got a big chance of going down. At least I would rather see my team score four or five goals in some matches, playing at, you know almost a kamikaze style of football, if you want to call it that, under Bielsa. I'd rather that. I genuinely would right now rather that. Because, you know, Dice, yes, don't get me wrong. He's, he's got more pedigree than we care to say. But for me... Let's be honest, mate. Goodison now, over the next 18, 19 games, whatever it is, you know, home and away, it's not going to be pretty football, is it? It's not going to be pretty football whatsoever. It's going to be in the trenches. It's going to be battling and scrapping for every point. It's going to be, you know, very few shots, uh, you know, on, on target, things like that. It's going, it's, going to be, it's going to be an absolute shit show, really, to put it bluntly. It's going to be, it's going to be horrible to watch. And, and there's a chance, there's even an outside chance if we do go down, we end up sacking another manager as well, by the way. There's a chance of that as well. So I don't know what you think, but I would rather it was just, you know, you know what, now the, now the window's finished, at least Bielsa's gone, look, I'll give you a three, four-year plan here. I'll give you a three, four-year plan and we'll work towards building a side that plays in a certain identity. Because even if, even if he left, We've then left with a certain identity of how we want to play, aren't we? We have. That's what would happen. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I understand. I do understand, obviously, the appointments. I really do. I've had this conversation, obviously, with you and Pete about, obviously, bringing in Sean Dyson. And I, and I do understand it. Again, though, like you say, you know, we, we talk about identity, have done for years, all the time. And when you when managers do come and go, You've got an identity and your point of mind is a fit, obviously, how you play football and what your philosophy is, etc. And, and have, Everton haven't got that. haven't had it since probably Moyes, I'd say. Um, it's probably the last time you knew exactly what you were going to get. If you come into the football club as a player, you knew exactly how it was going to go. Simple as that. Now, that's not been in place since then. We've obviously been now on to another manager who's coming into firefight. And and Sankey was in the Premier League, two and a half year deal for Sean Dice. You know, we hope and we pray and we cross our fingers that he, at the end of the season, he is still in place and he keeps his job because that would mean that we stayed in the Premier League. Of course, you know, as you say, if it goes the other way and, and we go down, you then look again potentially at sacking another manager. All depends on him because I think, I do think of Bergen Man, he went down with Burnley and brought them back up. So you've got a manager there. Who, who has also been in that particular situation. And it pains me to even speak this way, by the way, because we shouldn't have to. We shouldn't have to be sitting here considering relegation as an option or as a reality. And we are. That's exactly where we are. And this manager, as I say, he's he's been there, he's done that. I understand that, the, obviously, the, the comments over Bielsa. I think it would have been very difficult to have him in place um, this season. 
in terms of, like you say, what, what, what he brings as a manager, you know, what can he achieve? Is there more chance of us going down under him than Sean Dice? Who knows? Who knows? It was more of a gamble. And obviously, him then saying, oh, listen, I'll take the 21s for six months, but you can pay me a million pounds a month for me and my team. That's that's just not never going to happen, is it? You know, you, you there's no, no, I, I, I understand your point, but the point I'm so disillusioned with, with footy now, really. I am so disillusioned with football in general. You look at what Chelsea have spent. Chelsea have spent more on um, basically. If you look at uh, someone put a tweet out today, uh, our first 11 right now is pretty much not far off what Chelsea paid for one player in Enzo Fernandez yesterday at the end of the window. I mean, we're, we're in a league now where you've got a club like that spending over half a billion quid, spending more than Spain, Italy and uh, Germany combined. Just one club, that is. You know what I mean? And yet we're literally scraping around trying to bring in a, a, a last-minute striker from Reading. You know what I mean? How, how, is that, how is that even possible in the same league? How is that even possible? It's like it's it's it, the golf now is is just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, the gap was big anyway. So the point I was making around Bielsa is, is you know what? At least we'd have a team then. And once he got his fingers and fingerprints all over it, we'd have a team that would actually play. You know, a, a way that Goodison would absolutely love. In all honesty, you know what I mean. In terms, of it, it would be fast, energetic football. Yes, we'd be open at the back, and it would be at times you know heart and mouth jobs. But it would also be, let's be honest, Mike, we'd be looking forward to going back to Goodison again, wouldn't we? If we were playing that way, once he's got his fingerprints on it. Now, now we're going to go into a match where we're going to basically defend for our lives and try and nick a goal on a set piece. Mm. Oh, I, I, get, I, I get the points. I can't be else I do. I really do. Um, and if you, if you can look at the bigger picture and look beyond, obviously, six months, then, then that's exactly what we what we would have got. Um, and you'll have a manager who, like you say, will, will clearly get his imprints on the club. And as and when the time comes that he moved on, you would hope then that would be the the way forward for us in terms of our philosophy. That's that's would have been the you know in an ideal world that would have been perfect for us. But I do understand, as I say, the the appointments of Dyson. Like you say, it is going to be. You know, over the next few months, it is going to be a difficult, difficult watch. The fact that, as we said, no one's been brought in. We've got to go with these players. We've got to see what he can get out of these players. Um, he, he's got to get them fitter. He's got to get them running more. Sounds really basic. He, he alluded to it in his interview about getting back to basics. You know, and, and I think that that is it's it's a really it's, it's a throwaway comment, isn't it? But I think but I believe him. I believe him when he says it. I've got to be honest, and I think he, he came across well. In his in his interview, uh, when he was when he was unveiled, and I just hope I just hope that the players can buy into to what he is trying to do, and the players buy into the fact that they've got to give a hundred percent and more to to keep this club in the Premier League, and, and it starts it starts in terms of games on Saturday against the most difficult opponent that we could possibly ask for in in top of the table, Arsenal, and you know I could talk about transfers all day. Um, or lack of, should I say? I could talk about the the inept nature of this board and, and owner all day, of course. Um, but you know we have to draw a line somewhere, and I won't even get onto the fact that we're still linked with Andre Ayew on a three. Um, but we we'll leave we'll leave that one there. Have a short break and, and look ahead to what may or may not may happen uh, or may not happen on the pitch and off the pitch on Saturday when we face Arsenal. Welcome back to the second part of today's Unholy Trinity podcast. And 
Sean Dice's first game, Saturday early kickoff, half 12, Goodison Park, against top of the table Arsenal, a side that you, you don't want to be playing at this moment in time, a side who've improved massively under Mikel Arteta, especially this season, a club who've got an identity, uh, as we as we keep on saying that we haven't. They go up to Goodison Park, um, and before the game, uh, there's obviously there's a there's a fan protest, um, a march towards Goodison Park from half past eleven, which obviously is against the board. We've discussed obviously those kind of things at length over the last few weeks, especially. Um, so that would be that's the precursor to what happens on the pitch, and obviously Sean Dice getting in the dugout for the first time in a very difficult position, and we get to see obviously what he's been working on over the last the last week or so with with this side, but. We've obviously discussed Lee at length about obviously the, the ongoings in terms of lack of transfers, the board, Farhad Mashiri, broken promises, lies, etc. etc. And like I mentioned, we got this, they got the march before the game on Saturday. And prior to obviously the transfer window closing, my mindset was and we've said it for the last few weeks. I think the process they are right. I think they're correct. I think they've got to happen. And there's, there's, there can certainly be a separation between those protests and our concerns and our anger towards the board and obviously supporting those players and the managers uh, when it comes to, to match day. Um, now, my concern is obviously on Saturday with what has gone on last night especially. No players being brought in. That anger, that anxiety, that upset has every opportunity and every chance to sneak in to, to fans' mindset and, and head during the game. And I think I'm right in saying that, Ali. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think I think I don't think you'd find many Evertonians that would disagree with you on that. Um, the last three transfer windows have shown us what the board's all about, isn't it? Yeah, they've, they've been deplorable, really, all three of them. And that's where we are right now. Including the appointment of 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 you know, possibly one of the worst managers in our history, um, in the midst of all that as well. So it's all become clear now. You know, the clouds have parted, and we can clearly see now the constant throughout all of this. You know, all of this mess that we've had during this time. How you can go back as far as you want has been the people at the helm of the club. You know, namely the likes of Bill Kenwright. Um, Denise and, and, and others and we've had multiple directors of football in that time all of which by all accounts don't seem to have been allowed to do their jobs you know and this is the result of it you put all that together in a mix and this is what you get how not to run a football club and and and, and right now every fan out there has got every right you know to basically make their make their feelings felt it's such a conundrum though because the team needs us more than ever now as well now obviously most of us now are going to back that uh, back the team sorry and, and, and rightly so you've got a new manager coming in but let's be honest the way Arsenal are playing right now they're the best team in the league the league shows that you know the top of the league and rightly so not there by fluke and nearly every game I've watched Arsenal this season they've obliterated teams they start really quickly on the front foot Arteta's trying to put games to bed, you know, 2-3-0 by half-time. You know, they scored, I think they'd scored four in, was it four in one half against Brighton. An mm. informed Brighton, by the way, in, in, at their place as well. So, can you imagine Everton going in, going in at half-time, 
on Saturday, potentially three goals down or four goals down. I mean, mate, it, it could be horrible in there, couldn't it? I don't even know. I don't even care to imagine. Can you imagine what could, it could be a riot? And that's not a joke. It could be a riot if we're not careful. Feelings, feelings are so high, aren't they? Um, so, so high. And it only takes, you know, as I say, during the game, it only takes one little spark, I think, for, for things to really turn a particular way. And, you know, the, the way we're feeling as, as fans, I felt sick last night, I've got to be honest. And I actually turned my phone off for about the last two hours of the transfer window because it was going nowhere. And I just couldn't get, I just couldn't get into that headspace where it, it impacts me in that particular way. It just can't. I can't allow it. I just can't allow it in the everyday life to be to be impacted so heavily. And and I felt myself getting that way. And I'm thinking about Saturday. Obviously, I'll be there, of course. Um, as well, I'm sure thirty six thousand other Evertonians. You know, we, we'll be there. And as we do, we'll back the team as best we can. You know, yet again, there's there's a lot of emphasis and pressure on us as fans. The one, the ones who have to pick up the pieces, the ones who who get shit on from a great height, week in week out, all the time. The ones who are the who are the, the constants who will be there long after this board and this owner have gone. We're the ones yet again left to to try and lift this side uh, and get us moving and getting some points onto the board and doing what we can. You know, I, I'm going to I would try and get one away game a season. I'd be going to Forest away, and. You know, I do it because I love my club. It's as everyone who listens to this show does, you know, loves loves the club, will do whatever they can, will support them in whatever way they see that they, they deem fit. And that, that's only right. Those who, who want to protest and believe in the protest, fantastic. We're all behind that. Those who don't want to show it that way, that's their right. Everyone have got their own, make their own decisions in terms of how they support this football club. And it's not for anyone to tell anyone how to do that. It really isn't. Um, but one thing is for sure, I know that everyone who's there on Saturday and beyond will be trying to push these lads through. You know, whatever, whether it's a, a great tackle, whether it's, you know, a little bit of pushing and shoving and, and showing a little, bit of, a little bit of anger and a little bit of intensity, we'll be right behind them, of course we will. And it's sad, once again, it's come to, it's come to this. It's sad that it's it falls to us yet again to, to try and pull this side through games. It shouldn't happen. You know, Arsenal are showing no signs of slowing down in any way, shape or form. They look absolutely exceptional. Every single time I've seen them, they look, they look fantastic. They've got a plan. They've got an identity. They've bought into what the manager's been trying to do. Uh, and by the way, they've just signed a, a, the perfect player with the way they want to play as well in Jorginho. People are turning their noses up at that, you know. That's a that's a clever sign in that. Well, very right, astute sign with Trossard as well for for buttons. Let's, let's be honest. It's yeah. it, he's a great sign. If them fits right into to that particular side, it'll perfect perfect sign. And you know they they've recruited well. They've been backed. He's been backed by his board. We've gone back over Arsenal many a time in terms of at the start of last season when he lost the first three games and it was Arteta out this that the other. But you can see what he was trying to do. You you watch the show. You watch the show on Amazon Prime, and you can see what kind of minds he is. You can see why players buy into what he's what he's been trying to do since he's been there. Since he, he came in at the same time, didn't he? As as we got Carlo Ancelotti, and they've given them time. They've had patience as a, as a board as a club. The fans have taken a bit of time. Obviously, we all know as fans we are we are reactive and 
And, you know, you say things after the match sometimes and you might look back on it and think, oh, I shouldn't have said that. But they've bought into Mikel Arteta. He's bought into the club and he's doing a fantastic job. And I've got nothing but praise for him, for his side. And I'm just absolutely devastated that we've got to play them on Saturday in, in our predicament. Because normally I look forward to, to the Arsenal's and, and the Manchester United's coming to Goodison Park. I really do. Because I think that we can get under the skin and we can really impact impact the game. And I hope that that is the case on Saturday. But I just think this Arsenal side, I've got something about them. But listen, you know, no, no side is unbeatable. And that, that that's that's the, the honest truth. You know, Arsenal won't go through the whole season not being beaten by by a side for me that they shouldn't have been beaten by. And there's no reason why we can't do it ourselves. Of course there isn't. But we've got to we've got to have some kind of belief as a as a playing, as playing staff, as the manager. I'm hoping that the players can take a little bit of motivation from the new manager coming in. You know, we we, we always talk about new manager bounce. Everton don't seem to ever get that. Um, but hopefully that that is enough, especially in these early games. You know, we've got Arsenal, we've got Liverpool, uh, we've got obviously Leeds United come, we've got Aston Villa. The, you know, we've got games coming up which which are more than winnable at Goodison Park as well. You know, we we've got to we've got to try and make that count for something. And maybe it's the the optimism in me. I've always tried to be this way with Everton that we can pull a rabbit out of the hat and and we can go against the green and when the chips are down we can pull something out. Um, I think Saturday is probably the lowest I'll probably feel going into a game for a long, long time. Um, and I'm just hoping that my my instincts can kick in once that whistle goes and I'm, I'm fully behind the team. But it's it, it's a real difficult, difficult, difficult sell at this moment in time. It really is, mate. And then, and of all the teams we could be playing right now, you know, I'd, I'd even fancy us against Liverpool at home in Dice's first game because, you know, they're one of the most out-of-form teams. They're all over the place at the minute. I know we're playing them next after Arsenal, but I would rather the, the game's the other way around. Do you know what I mean? Because it, the fans would be more than up for it, as we know, in every derby. But then, you know, Dice in his first game as well, I'd, I'd even fancy us in that. But the problem is you're going up against a team that have just full of talent across the whole pitch. Saka's playing out of his skin, one of the best players in the league at the minute. Scoring goals for fun. Odegaard's one of the best midfielders in the league. And Kessia, since we've come back after the World Cup, uh, has been one of the best forwards. You know what I mean? Everyone was worried about Arsenal dropping off now with Hazel's injury. If anything, Nketiah has actually picked up that mantle and taken it on. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 a very very tough ask to try and get to try and get a result in this game. But then it would be typically Everton, wouldn't it, to try and <laughs> probably get something? You, know, you lose at home to Southampton. You lose at home to Wolves. You get panned by Brighton at home. And then you suddenly, you know, you take a result against Arsenal. So, you know, nothing would ever amaze me or surprise me with this football club. Um, but yeah, look, we've, we've got to go into it and, and try and build some form of momentum in this. Um, one of our biggest concerns right now is, is how fragile this squad is from a confidence perspective. You know, Frank had to pick him up off the knees this time last season. And he managed to do that to a point. Um, but you know, Dice is as good as he's come across since he's come in. You know, if anyone's listened to the high performance podcast, he comes across great in that. There is more to him than 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 you know an old school dinosaur, as some people might pigeonhole him. But you know, at the same time, we're also realists, and you know, he's not the next coming of of of, of Sir Alex Ferguson, is he? Do you know what I mean? Or you know, 
even Ancelotti himself. So he, he's going to need time to be able to work with these players. He's going to need time to be able to try and get a tune out of these players. Um, and just like it took Frank, you know, it took him probably half a dozen games, didn't it, last season to realise that we're going to have to play a certain way. Now, arguably, Dice is a bit more sort of, you know, he's got a few more grey hairs, hasn't he? So, you know, he, he'll know how he wants to set us up. and We all know how that's going to be. It'll be interesting to see how he does set us up as well, by the way. Because, you know, I imagine, obviously, he's worked with Tarkowski before. He'll be, he'll be a shoe-in. He'll want to play four at the back. There's no doubt about it. Will Cody start ahead of Michael Keane? We don't know. You know, certainly from a, a full-back perspective, we'd be surprised if Ben Godfrey comes in at left-back. How's he going to play in midfield? Who's going to be the personnel there? How's he going to fit a Wobi into the team? You know, there's a lot of questions to be answered there, isn't there? Uh, yeah, I, but there's, there's a lot of questions. And like you say, if, he, if he's going 4-4-2, which, which we probably expect, you, you look then at how he does fit certain players in. You know, you, you're two centre-halves. Would he go, obviously, Tarkowski, likely to start, knows him, worked with him for, for many years at Burnley, uh, trusts him. Connor Cody, would he get the nod? Would he want Yerry Mina in there, maybe, potentially? Um, ben Godfrey at left back obviously had a bit of a niggle after the Southampton game, so missed out against West Ham. Will Will he come in uh, at, at left back? Possibly. Obviously, Seamus Cole will probably get the nod at right back with Nathan Patterson's injury. Does Alex Iwobi go to the right wing? Possibly. Um, you then look at your midfield two of, of O'Nana and, and Garner Gay. Demai Gay sitting left, and then does he go for a two up top of, of Dominic Calvert Lewin and, and Neil Mopay? That is, that is a question. Does Dwight McNeil get the nod on the left-hand side? And um, Demaya Gray go right? Does Gray play off got Dominic Calvert-Lewin? All these questions to, to be to be asked and answered on Saturday. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, Would he get a tune out of Dwight McNeil with him obviously knowing him and knowing how he plays and knowing uh, what, what system suits him best? You know, the, all, all these all these questions to be answered, of course. Um, and It'll be interesting to, to actually see how, how we do set up come come Saturday. Um but whatever whatever the case is, we, we've got to keep our fingers crossed that this side starts to show something. And you know, even if even if we you know we're losing the game, but we're seeing, you know what, we put a shift in there, we can see what, what they're trying to do. We've had a few chances. You know, you just want to see signs of life. That's what I want to see, because there was none at West Ham. Obviously, the minds has changed since, but there was nothing there, was there? It was it was embarrassing. It was 2-0 down. you got players who didn't want to come on, um, players who didn't come on. You know, we're, we're getting beat 2-0 and we're leaving our attackers on the bench. And it was just, there was nothing there at all. Nothing there at all. So, hopefully, this is a bit of an injection that the players actually need to, to start performance to, to the, the correct level. Um, but his press conference will be, will be intriguing uh, come Friday. Looking forward to hearing what he's got to say. Obviously, his reflections on the transfer window. Who knows? Maybe Andre Ayew could be in, could be through the door by then. So all our prayers will have been answered. Um, so who who knows? Who knows? But I'll ask you for a prediction if I can. Uh, I'm sure it would be pretty, but let, let us know what you think about how it's going to end up. I think it's impossible almost to call it. Um... But um, I think we'll see a spirited performance from Everton if we manage to, you know, negate the uh, the first 20, 30 minutes because we'll be under. And I, I'll I'll put my mortgage on it. We'll be under in those first 20, 30 minutes. If we manage to stay in the game, uh, even get to nil nil at half time, I fancy we may then get something. Uh, if not, um, 
I think Arsenal could railroad us quite easily. Um, like we said before, they've they've been they've been outstanding this season. Um, and I hate to say it, but um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go three-one Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we'll lose the game because uh, even the the most optimistic of Everton fans, I'm sure, can't put across any kind of uh, case for us to actually win the game. But I just want to, like I say, I want to see something. I want to see players fighting. I want to see them wanting to be there, wanting to wear the shirt, understanding the the predicament that we find ourselves in. Um, that's what I want to see. And you know what? You know, you know, if I see that. Then I'll stay and I'll applaud them off. That, that you know, win, lose, or draw. If you put a shift in and it's obvious, then great. That's what I want to see. So I can't even give you a score. I just want to. That's just what I want to see from the game. And I predict that we will see. We'll see it. Interesting to see if we actually put any kind of press on. Obviously, Arsenal, absolute masters, absolute masters of breaking breaking through the press. So we'll see how it goes. But. Uh, there's a few days before we get there anyway, so I'm sure they'll be full of twists and turns before kick-off at R12 at Goodison Park on Saturday. But that's it for me and Lee. We'll be back at the weekend, um, back to our usual Sunday slot. Pete should be back then. Uh, as we know, works for MI5, so weekdays are no good for that, man. Uh, but we should be back as a, the three of us together Sunday, looking back on that Arsenal game and looking ahead to the, uh, the dreaded Merseyside derby at Anfield. So we will catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.